Well, uh, welcome, uh, dear listener, uh, to what I hope will be uh, a fun, enlightening conversation about things that matter to college students. Uh, welcome to our Campus Ministers Roundtable. I'm Nick Chancy. I am the uh, Campus Minister at Marshall University, uh, and I'll be our host uh, this fine morning for us, uh, actually sipping uh, my coffee right now. Uh, with us, uh, we have uh, several campus ministers from across uh, the Diocese of Wheeling, Charleston, and we've all come here uh, to talk about things that matter to college students, uh, and we're all pretty pretty excited to do that. Uh, so without further ado, uh, I'll go ahead and uh, introduce our friends here. Uh, we have uh, Shirley Carter uh, from West Liberty. Hey, Shirley. Hey, Nick. I'm Shirley Carter, and I'm from the northern panhandle of the Diocese of Wheeling, Charleston, campus minister at um, the new and improved and rebranded Hilltop Campus Ministry, which includes students from West Liberty University and Bethany College. Um, this is my, I'm the, I'm the oldie but goldie here. Um, this, I'm beginning my 13th year <laughs> in campus ministry with the diocese, but prior to that, I was nine years in campus ministry at Wheeling, and I'll still have to say it, Jesuit University. I'm Patrick Meinster. I'm the campus minister at Fairmont State University. I originally hail from the Eastern Panhandle, but I've been in Fairmont for quite a while. I've got degrees from this school, and now I lead the Catholic congregation here. And I throw it to Ross for my neck of the woods. How you doing out there in the Eastern Panhandle, Ross? We miss you. <laughs> Your voices all sound very soothing on this podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I am Ross Semler. I am the campus minister at mm. Shepherd University in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, uh, which is almost Maryland. Uh I have been doing this for about three years now. I went to school here and I got a music performance degree, and for some reason that qualified me to be a campus minister. So uh, here we are. That's all I got for the moment, man. <laughs> I'm sure I'll I'm sure I'll talk your ear off in awesome. like five minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is exciting. I it's it's great because. We, we're from pretty much every corner mm -hmm. of uh, West Virginia, and we, we all represent uh, colleges of different different sizes, different demographics, uh, and and we're all uh, very unique people. And so I I am just excited uh, to get these different perspectives uh, on on all of these things that we're going to be talking about in the series of these podcasts. Uh, so the idea is that each week uh, one of us is going to come up with a topic uh, that relates to college students and. Uh, we're going to throw it out there, and we're going to have a conversation about that, and we're going to learn a lot uh, and have fun on the way doing it. Uh, so uh, this week, uh, Ross Semler, our main man from Shepherd, he's uh, he's going to be leading us uh, in uh, in our sort of kickoff uh, topic. So Ross, what uh, what have you got for us? All right, we're a little bit confused about something. Uh, and that's, uh, what is college? Uh, I know that when I started college, I was really excited about being a music major because the only thing I've ever been good at is music. Uh, and, and I just, I wanted to live and breathe it. So I came to Shepherd, and lo and behold, 
Uh, music was fortunately about half. I was fortunate to have it be half of what I did. And the other half was things like math and biology and German and <laughs> a whole bunch of things that I was not good at. And I spent, like most of my students now, a huge chunk of college being really confused as to why I had to spend so much time doing projects and studying for final exams on subjects that I was, quote, never going to use or that had nothing to do with my major. And I thought that was really, really frustrating. And I think because of that, I missed out on a lot of the fruits that come from a proper university experience. When I go back and look at the university model from... Well, it's really been going on for centuries, um, a, a millennia at this point almost. The idea of a university, particularly a liberal arts university with Shepherd, is it's supposed to be this wide-ranging area of study. It's supposed to form you uh, into a well-rounded intellectual thinker. Uh, back in the day, they weren't just they they were studying the sciences. They were studying medicine and biology and chemistry. They were also studying English. They were studying the the great writers. You, you can now graduate with an English degree from an Ivy League school and have never read Shakespeare. That's bizarro to me. Uh, and so, and they would study music. They'd study the great composers. They would study Palestrina. They would study politics, the historical proper idea of politics, how to govern a society, philosophy, and drumroll, theology. Uh, so, you know, begs the question, why don't we study the, that wide range? We should embrace an even wider area of study and not uh, uh, box ourselves in. Yeah, you know, I i mean, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't been guilty of that uh, my time in college. You know, I, I got my degree in history, and uh, one of the uh, requirements was having uh, three semesters of uh, Spanish. No, four. Sorry, it was four semesters. I had to have four semesters of Spanish. And uh, I just remember being like, just really agitated at the idea, you know, like my, my passion is history. I want to learn about history. Why am I having to learn four semesters of uh, a foreign language? And, you know, having several years now since then and being able to look back, um, I can honestly really appreciate the fact that I took those courses, you know, I mean, I don't speak Spanish fluently, I learned a fair amount and I, I have a good, uh, you know, a decent basis of it under my belt. And, and the same goes with a lot of uh, those other classes that didn't pertain exactly to my specific field of study. Uh, but I, it's still valuable to know nonetheless. And I think that comes back to the, the value of education, Right. This idea that, uh, you know, we're, we're not just going to college uh, to learn X, Y, Z uh, so I can get my degree and then make bunches of money. It's it's also understanding that value in, in education itself, like geology. I took geology in college. It ended up being one of my favorite courses uh, because I could, in those other courses, 
find elements of what I enjoyed about history in each of them. Uh, for instance, in my geology course, uh, you know, we're learning basically uh, the history of the earth through rocks, you know, through the tectonic plates. And I could really get behind that too. So, you know, I, uh, I, I, I'm with you. I, I had that sentiment and, and I hear it a lot, uh, very much uh, from from students too. Um, so much ruminating in this brain of mine. Um, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm coming from a very different perspective, I guess. Um, I was a an adult learner, okay? I went back to school later in life. Now, after high school, so let me, let me back up a little bit. I, I am a product of the day when women became teachers, nurses, teachers and nurses. (laughs) I mean, it was pretty limited. And so right after high school, I went into a program at a a local hospital and became um, radiologic technologist, okay, and did that for many years. And sort of fell right into that that little box in which they put women. Fast forward some years, I decide I didn't want to do that anymore, and I go back to school. And what I found was... I, I knew what I wanted to do, and I wanted to go into drumroll theology, as, as Ross said, um, which would have been a master's program, maybe a you know, potential doctorate program. So how do I get this undergrad now? And what I found was um, a very different paradigm. I went into a program that allowed credit for life experience, you know, and, and um, it was really kind of cool. So all my science credits were taken care of through my background in, in radiology. Um, child development, some psych courses. I had been a brownie leader for 10 years and raised some children, so boom. I, now I had to write papers, a paper, not even a lot, and submit this portfolio, and boom, there were those credits. Um, I had opened my own um, business at one point. Write a paper, boom, I got some um, general eds in business. So it, it took me basically a year, maybe a little bit longer to get my undergrad. It wasn't long at all. And then I went right into what I was interested in, you know, the theology masters. So I'm coming from a different place mm-hmm. in that I didn't experience what you all are talking about so much, but mm-hmm. I get it. You know, I hear students bringing the same concerns to me as, as Ross and Nick and I'm sure Patrick have heard. You know, what am I doing all this stuff for? <laughs> Part of me, not to be a naysayer, but part of me is like, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm not so sure. <laughs> Except that it does it does make you a more well-rounded person. I think I didn't take the on-site courses, if you will, but I had the more well-rounded ex- experience mm-hmm. because they were just that experiences. It wasn't like I was locked into a box at that point. I don't know if that makes any sense, and you know, if anybody has any. No, I, I, I think it totally does. Absolutely. Well, I, I first, I want to throw a shout out to Nick's geology experience. I love geology; it's fascinating mm-hmm. to me. So that was, it that is. was good to hear. Nick, remind me, what is your degree in? Uh, history. <laughs> uh, I got my yeah, yeah. I got my degree in history. It's funny to me that you're talking about the history of rocks as a history student. That's I know, funny. right? <laughs> That's funny. So I come at this from a different perspective than you guys do, which I guess is the point. So I, my first degree was in education. And so I got to spend time as a, as a student teacher. I never actually got a teaching job. So I can't say I'm a teacher, but I do have a little bit of experience in the classroom in front of high school students. And I taught them 
geology. Hmm. That's that was my job for about six oh, weeks. Wow. Was to teach. Was to teach. Nick and Patrick are going to be new BFFs. We're going to talk after this. It's going to be fun. <laughs> and so that really was the uh, the biggest challenge of my senior year was teaching rocks to freshmen who could not care less about the difference between an igneous and a metamorphic rock. Like who cares? Right. Uh, they've got bigger <laughs> concerns, and I can't even blame them. Um, the thing I had a conversation with one of the lessons that I taught was that you guys you guys might be familiar with uh, Sidling Hill outside of Cumberland. It's this epic uh, highway yeah. cuts through a mountain. Yeah. So if yep. you look, if you look at the rocks, since we're talking about rocks now, I guess uh, there are layers of rocks stacked on top of one another, but they're not flat as you would expect. They're curved and kind of like a U-shape, like a big smiley face, if you look at these rocks as you drive through there. And I uh, had a picture of that that I showed to my students as I was teaching the lessons about anaclines and synclines that day. And I used that fancy word, anaclines, to my students. And they were like, yeah, great. They regurgitated on a test and it was fine. <laughs> years, years later, years later, uh, when I was just a, a humble guy doing tutoring at the, at, the, at the library here, I had a great opportunity to meet up with one of those students who has since graduated. And if he is listening to this, he knows exactly who I'm talking about. I won't name names. But he told me years later that every time he drives through that gap in Cumberland, he looks at those rocks and he says, anacline. <laughs> I mean, that was not nice. my intention. When I taught him right. these things, you know, and I told him years later, I couldn't care less. If you don't know the difference between an anticline and a syncline, if you don't know what an igneous rock is, I don't care. My goal that entire six weeks that I was there is to just try to get you to look at rocks a little bit differently. I don't right. care if you don't remember the words. I don't care if you don't remember. Just process things. Before you just saw a rock, now you're seeing little speckles in it. You're seeing the color of it. You're seeing the lines. You're, I don't know. So just look at it a little bit differently. And that is how you make informed decisions about what's going on around you. Right. And, and if I can extrapolate out, I don't, want to, I don't mean to wax philosophical here, but we live in a society in which the, the government has entrusted us to make informed decisions about who we want to lead us. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. only way we can do that is if we are informed. And that really is, go, it goes back to what the core of education is. We're trying to build a better society for ourselves and our children and everyone around us. And the only way we can do that is to really know and really right. think. And that's what college is all about. So when students come and they're in a, they're, they're in a, they're a history major, we're not going to just teach you history because we have to make decisions about science and other things. So you have to, you have to at least know, you have to at least have a baseline understanding of how the world works. That's what you're trying to do in college. So I, I try to communicate this to students, maybe not in so many words, uh, but that's my perspective on the situation. Do you, do you disagree? I, um, I really do not disagree. <laughs> no, I don't disagree at all. I, I, was, I was, as you were speaking, I, I'm in total agreement, but my thoughts were, wouldn't it be nice if all the professors bought into that? Because I think sometimes that's part of the issue. You know, every professor thinks their subject is the most important and the only. And I get that because that's what they're teaching and it is important to them. But it is not the only. And I think if they could see the broader view that, 
you know, our goal isn't just to teach this student this subject. Our goal is to create these well-rounded students that, as Patrick said, can make informed decisions in many aspects of their lives. And, you know, I, I think if, if, if it came from, from top down, it, it, would, it would alleviate some of the stress and pressure on the students. As a, as, a, as, a, as a guy with very minimal teaching experience, I've fallen into that trap myself, thinking my, my thing is the most important thing. Right. When you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, uh, Patrick, I think uh, I, I, I like what you said. Um, and I think it's, it's really important to, to make the note that, uh, you know, those students, you know, learning geology – uh, for the most part, probably didn't have uh, right a, a sincere, deep desire to right to know all of these geologic formations and things. Um, but but yet, uh, that you know, you still encountered a student who who's retained an important piece of that all these years later, right? It's it has affected them uh, in some uh, way that they've care that they're carrying on through their lives, and I, I think that's worth mentioning because there's a real temptation, especially if you're in a class and uh, it's it's not your field of study. And you, you don't have a, a deep personal interest in it. There's a deep temptation to then say, OK, you know what? This isn't applicable to me. I have to take this class. So I'll I'll memorize all the stuff uh, and I'll, I'll try my best on these tests. But I don't care. This won't have any impact on me. But see, that's not true. Really, uh, it actually very well may. And, and if you're open to that fact that this could have a really deep impact on you, then you're actually going to get even more out of it Be simply by your exposure to hearing that professor, to doing those readings. Um, and I think I think that comes back to what Ross said, which is that university ideal, right? Creating this well-rounded individual. So you know, if if you're in a class. And and you are just bored to tears, and and you and you're it doesn't it doesn't seem to apply to you. I would just take some time to reflect on that, like like think about how this is important, and and how is this actually going to shape you going forward? Because whether you want to admit it or not, this class that you are in is going to shape you one way or another. That's absolutely right. And the temptation there actually is if you are bored to tears and you're not paying any attention and you don't want to put the effort in, it could, it could impact you in a negative way. You could yeah. walk away with a, with a negative impression of a subject that you really should be interested in. Exactly. Or could be interested in if you gave yourself the chance. Yeah. And so, so you know, uh, I, I would say, you know, to the students, don't don't limit yourself, you know, don't 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 create these these barriers between you and the knowledge that you're getting in this class, because the reality is uh, whether we want to admit it or not, you've already paid the money to be in that class. Uh, so if you if you want you know, a return on on the thousands or whatever dollars that, you know, it takes for to have this class, uh, then then you should and you really should try to to get the most out of it. I think that you can. Um, Ross, any uh, any thoughts on that? So many. Uh, 
Okay. One, uh, you said that whether or not you like it, this class is going to change you. What I thought you were going to say is whether or not you like it, this class is going to happen. <laughs> right. Uh, on the second week of classes, you might be sitting in a, uh, a math class of some sort, like I would. And uh, you might be terrible at math, like I was and am. Uh, and on the second week, you may have already made the decision to check out for this semester, like I did. Uh, and whether or not you like it, you're going to be sitting in that class for roughly three hours a week for the next three to four months, right? It's going to happen. And us being people who have a, a Catholic worldview, we have that, uh, that constant reminder over us that you will not know the hour. There is precious little time that we have here, and we have to decide if those three hours a week for the next three to four months are going to be is is it the is it the professor that's wasting that time for us or is it us that's wasting that time for us? Um, if I've if I've decided to check out of that class for the rest of the semester, I think that I've probably made the consci- conscientious decision to waste that significant portion of my life for the next four months. And if I do it for one class. I won't do it for one class. I'll do it for, I don't know, two a semester. So, you know, what is that? Like 16 classes? No, like 32 classes. How many hours gets racked up of me just wasting not just time, but right. money? And if that actually, if, if that course could actually give me a, a, a more well-rounded worldview, uh, then how much... How much knowledge am I wasting that I can share right. in in the future? Um, speaking of math in particular, I remember that I used to complain about it when I was in high school, middle school, something like that. I've I've been awful with it my whole life. And I remember having a teacher tell me that what they're teaching me in math class is not math. What they are teaching me is how to learn. Um, yes. Um, and, I, and I guess... There's, uh, there's a a trillion different implications of that that uh, that sentence alone. But what they are saying is they're giving me these tools, these building blocks. You know, algebra in particular, and geometry, and all these things that have different symbols that go with them that can mean any sort of thing in any different context. That is true of the world. In one particular equation, x could mean a million different things that would equate to a small house the size of the one I'm I'm living in or a you know a skyscraper in Manhattan and and that sort of variable applies to everything in life on, on a sort of abstract level and you know how how you're going to recognize those variables and how you're going to apply those variables uh, has a you know an endless number of of ramifications right well said well said thank you Um. thank you very much uh the the last the last thing i was going to say 
was uh, this coffee is terrible. It's just the I'm coffee. Sorry. I, the coffee I'm drinking. I went and I found it. It. I think it's been sitting in that bag for months. I, it's just so stale. And, oh uh, man, you know that's that's rough. It is rough. It is rough. See, when I was in co- when I was in college, I was taught how to make a good cup of coffee. Perhaps you didn't pay attention in that class. Uh, no, uh, see? no, no, no. I'm I'm all about that coffee. There's there's a there's a place up the street from where I live called Black Dog Coffee. They are the bomb, mm-hmm. and I make them in a French press every morning. But then I came oh. to work, and we have like some old stale. Uh, I don't even know what it is, but. It's. I made it in a Keurig, and uh, you know, yeah, you I'm, I'm not about that Keurig. Uh, oh, I love uh, my no. Keurig. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh. Yeah. See, the that's why I have the perfect cup. The convenience is great, but I don't know. It's just it's just missing something. So just uh, just to just to travel down this coffee side tangent for yes, for please. just a second, uh, I think it's a very ministry thing to be like really into coffee. First off, I don't think I've met any minister that wasn't like really into coffee. Oh, yeah. uh, and I will say uh, that uh, I, I never intended to become one, uh, but I've become a little bit of a coffee snob. And uh, it's just it's what happens when you drink good coffee and you're exposed to it. You know how to make it, and we I grind the beans every morning, and you mm. get that fresh, like that mm-hmm. fresh ground coffee, and make it just a little strong, and just oh, it, there's there's not there's nothing like my it. burr grinder broke. I'm really mad, so I have to get it until I get a new one. I have to get it pre ground at the at the shop, but Patrick, it stays. They, re- they, they they really are coffee snobs. The more I hear them talk, I'm going yeah. with my curate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, Nick! You've never met you've never met a, a minister that wasn't into coffee. Is that what you said? Yeah. Is it, allow, yeah, me yeah. Be, allow me to be your first one. Oh, uh, I never right. got into that. Uh, I, I am uh, booting you now. From I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> it's been a pleasure being uh, with you. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah. uh, and and hey, I think we have our first debate set up for there. We go. Uh, yeah, for next episode. Uh, between the two of you. Um, now, there's a, one of my favorite musical groups. Uh, they did, it's like basically a like Appalachian string quartet type thing. Mm. And uh, they did an album nine years ago called The Goat Rodeo Sessions. They never did one again. And I was like, oh, someday they got to get back together. Well, they put out a new album this year. And I knew that it was going to be great because the first track on the album is called your coffee is a disaster. <laughs> I was like, these these guys are the coffee snobs that I want to hang out with. That's there great. you go. So provocative too. Just mm-hmm. call very the accusatory. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. If, wow. If our supervisor is listening to this first podcast, Daniel, it, when we have our first campus ministers gathering, the pressure's on for the perfect coffee to be there. That's Ooh. all I'm saying. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, well, any uh, any more uh, thoughts on uh, the topic at hand? You know, a well-rounded education, like mm-hmm. the idea of a university. Just okay. one thing, Ross, okay. that reminded yeah. me of something that um, I, I had a conversation with students last last year, maybe a couple semesters ago. You know, students come in and they love when the professor cancels class, or they love when there's too much snow up here in the hills, and they you know, and the university cancels or the college cancels. And they're so happy when 
oh, you know, this, this professor is so easy. I don't really have any papers to write or, 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 and all that sort of stuff. And, and we were all the same way. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I, I say to them often, you know, college students sometimes are the only ones that I know that are happy when they're not getting what they're paying for. Yeah. Think about yeah. that. You're paying for this and you're so happy that it's canceled, that you mm-hmm. don't have to learn. That I mean, and go back to what Nick said. You've already paid for it. You're in it. And again, back to what Ross said, you might as well make the best of it, not waste it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you don't, you know, college students love when they don't get what they're paying for. You know, if you went to get a good cup of coffee and you didn't get that good cup of coffee, you'd be complaining. Right. right. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly. And, and we should we should look at, you know, higher education in the same way. Um, I completely agree, Shirley. I think a lot of this, too, comes down to uh, where, where do you place your values, you know, um, and and what is college to you? Um, and so if you only look at college through this lens as it's a it's it's a it's a means to an end, you know, mm. I want I, I want to get this career so I can make this money um, and college is my means of getting to that objective. And so I have to do these things. Um, you're not you're not you're simply not going to get nearly as much out of it um, and quite frankly given the amount of money you have to spend <laughs> these days mm-hmm. to get that degree uh, you you want to get uh, every dime for your dollar I think um, go for it Ross okay so there's something really really big in there that, that you mentioned mm-hmm. um, that needs to be picked apart just a little bit and we might get to a point where we have to dive in a little more next week but yeah is this just a means to an end am i just mm-hmm. spending this money so i can get this piece of paper to get this job this career i'm paraphrasing you a bit sure. uh, but what happens when that's your when when that's your mission going into college and you pay all that money to not really enjoy what you're doing there and then it doesn't get you the job you want. It doesn't get you the career that you want. Um, and that was a, a thought that I had before was, is college actually supposed to get you a job? Um, right. When I go back and see what was the what was the university model for, I don't think, it, it doesn't say anything about be, being for the purpose of getting a job. It actually usually specifies that university models were separate from uh, vocational schools and vocational trainings. There are actually places where it says that universities specifically excluded vocational uh, trainings. So the idea was uh, to, to have a stark difference between college and the job world, the career world. And, you know, if you're uh, if your mission after college was to go into being a, uh, uh, you know, a writer or a uh, or or into medicine or into law, you know, these things that that these things were studied in colleges, and and that made sense. Uh, you could you could practice law, you could practice medicine, uh, and and you could write and and sell your work and publish your work, but uh, on the whole, that that wasn't the. Ex- the explicit purpose 
Um, so where are we now? What has happened that we now say, um, I'm here I'm here in college so that I can get a degree and get a job. Uh, it changed drastically over time and I think that 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 has distracted us from from what we were talking about previously. It's mm-hmm. distracted right. us from it's distracted us from seeing college as an experience to uh, develop us intellectually exactly. and ma- and make us uh, more diverse and well-rounded thinkers, um, and and in case in certain cases abstract thinkers. So, yeah, surely go for it. And and as you're speak talking, Ross, I am thinking of perfect segue for us as campus ministers. Hmm. If you read hmm. any of the um, campus ministry documents, what what it says is the purpose of campus ministry is to connect the church and higher education in its search for truth. Yeah. So that's yeah. our role, not right. to right. not to, you know, push religion or not to even it's we are to be the connecting point between the church and higher education in its search for truth mm-hmm. as we help these students seek truth not necessarily get a job right and I, and I think that uh, we are we are here to sort of fill in a gap that's been left because historically um, theology and philosophy and, and those sorts of things they were all included in this higher education model and they've been chipped away over time and like you're saying, so uh, as as Christians, we believe that we're not just living in a material world. We're living, exactly. we, you know, there there is a spiritual element to, to everything that's going on. And if we mm-hmm. only, if we chip away at that and we only focus on learning the material, then we are not receiving the fullness of truth. Uh, we have that desire put in us to seek the fullness of truth and when we don't receive it in all of its elements its spiritual elements and material elements we we feel an emptiness right we're Amen. we're not we're not made whole uh you know saint uh, saint irenaeus says uh, the glory of of uh, man is a human being fully alive right and and so the implication there uh, is you know, or, or the question we have to ask ourselves: What does that mean? What's it mean to be fully alive? And you, we could do a whole separate podcast just unpacking oh, yeah. that quote. But I, I, I think part of that is, without a doubt, uh, actively seeking to better ourselves, right? Um, in that, in our quest for truth, uh, finding truth in its form in whatever it is that we're doing, um, because there is that element, Ross, uh, that you said, that spiritual element too. Uh, you know, each of those, uh, you know, uh, topics or classes or, or what have you. And so that, that should be, that should be the mindset, right? I should be seeking to better myself, to learn and to grow as a person. Yeah. And I, and I'm hoping that this discussion will, uh, <laughs> we're, <laughs> this sounds funny. It sounds like we're, we're spending a lot of, a lot of time being like, all you college students, you do this, and you're really supposed to do this, you you noobs. Um, but uh, well, what what we're really what we're really talking about, at least what I'm really talking about, is me. I'm I'm not really, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm throwing a lot of stuff out that out here, and I'm not 
really accusing any any particular co- college students or any particular generation. I mean, I'm I'm talking about me. I'm I'm talking yeah. about what what I did and Same. what I things that I wish I could have done differently and attitudes that I wish that I could have changed and uh, that I that I had a lot of my close friends, a lot of my my classmates that that did uh, similar things, and we would get together and yeah. commiserate about all the um, the classes we we didn't like and that we thought were a waste of time. And I'm hoping that what this will do for for our beloved audience is that it'll uh, offer a, a a different perspective, so that people can make the decisions about how they're going to treat the college experience mm-hmm. before going, or even if they're yeah. already in it, uh, to to reevaluate. So exactly. that they can embrace this experience in, in a different light and uh, receive its fruits more, more readily. That's the yeah. idea. Yeah, surely. I was just going to say, yeah, the reevaluating for me and the takeaway, as you said, Ross, it's not just for our beloved audience, it's for, for us as well. Absolutely, so absolutely. what I'm taking away from this is I'm going to take a road trip at some point and go try to find the smiley rocks that Patrick talked about, so huh. I can see all the all the colors and all the you know. I mean, that's that's a great takeaway to think about yeah, how much yeah. that you know we we can experience ourselves. Those of you that are contemplating college, those of you that are in college, those of us that are out of college, like it's life is a learning experience and a, a seek is, for uh, um, seeking for knowledge and truth. I think that's so important to remember. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Patrick, do you have any, uh, did you have any thoughts on that? I'm just thinking if, if somebody had told me in my uh, biochemistry class that I really struggled in to, to seek the truth and to be fully open to God's message, I would have, <laughs> I would have lost my mind. I was stressing out in that class. And I, I just want to communicate that to all the college students out there who are really stressed and really struggling with stuff right yeah. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Philosophical about all these high-minded ideas. It might not seem that way, you know. When I was um, when I was that age, I think a lot of college students have this problem. They they expect their lives to be very linear in a way mm. that you're going to go to high school, you're going to go to college, you're going to get a degree, you're going to get a job in that degree, you're going to work for forty years, you're going to retire, right? Mm-hmm. It's a straight line from A to B, uh, and it just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. I don't, maybe it did a long time ago. I don't know, but it certainly doesn't work that way now. Your life is going to take a lot of zigzaggy turns, and you're not often going to see two steps down the line. Uh, but will be very apparent to you if you uh, if you have your mind in the right spot is the next step, and the next step is the most important one. And uh, the next step for you as college students right now is to be present. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, uh, anybody have any uh, parting thoughts or, uh, as we uh, begin to wrap up here? I have so many, but I'm afraid that if I start talking, we'll we'll just go for another <laughs> like hour. Uh, we'll start. Uh, we'll start part two. Of, yeah, we. Uh, we uh, yeah, we're we're gonna start. <laughs> we're gonna start planning for next week, man. This is gonna be good. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, thanks everybody uh, for for coming and hanging out. Patrick, thank you. Uh, Ross, uh, thank you. Shirley, thank you so welcome. much. Uh, good luck, my friends, uh, as and, and students listening as you go out there this week. Um, you know, I always want you to know your campus ministers 
are are out there and we are rooting for you. We care so much about you and all of us are here uh, for you as a resource as you start to navigate uh, the crazy world uh, that is college uh, during what is a pretty crazy year uh, mm. by most standards. Amen. Yeah. Uh, all right, gang. Well, thank, thank you so you much for listening. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully uh, hopefully be back here again next week. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Bye-bye. Peace. Yep. Bye-bye.